Okay, a good near of Shabbos, everybody. It is the last two parashiyot in the book of Shemot. Um, it's Vayakel Pikude, and we also have Rosh Chodesh Nisan, uh, arguably the most important month in the calendar. Certainly is Rashi Chodeshem, the first of the months and the beginning of the commandment to control time. Uh, from Parashat Bo, we read the Haftarah. So it's a very important parasha. It's so important the Japanese call the car after it, so you have to know just how important Nissan is. Let's take a look at the parasha. Very interesting. We see the convergence of three elements of holiness. We see holy space, which is the Mishkan, that's sacred space. We have sacred time, which is Shabbat, which is again heavily emphasized uh, and juxtaposed with the construction of the, of the Mishkan. And sacred people, Mamlechet Kohanim Vgoi Kadosh, exemplified by the Kohanim and their dress and their gear and the Kohen Gadol as well. That is really the, uh, the culmination of the book and the end of the book, which is described by the rabbis as Sefer Galut V'Geula, the book of exile and redemption. And the redemption, according to most Mepharshim, actually ends with this congruence or confluence of these three elements of holiness, which is really the Geula, bringing those three uh, together. We, we see that Shabbat is mentioned again over here in the context of the Mishkan, and they stand next to each other uh, for the following reasons, among others. Number one, Shabbat is God's opportunity for us. God gives us a, an opportunity for us to have a peak of his world. It is, as it were, an opportunity for us to experience God's world in some small way, and the Mishkan is God's opportunity to be present in our world in some way. Secondly, we learn from the Shabbat next to the Mishkan that the uh, prohibition of work on the Mishkan on Shabbat means that holiness in time takes precedence over holiness in space. Completion of the physical Mishkan took second place to the observance of the Shabbat. So we see that holiness in time is is more sacred than holiness in space. And we learn from the prohibitions that were imposed on the Jewish people by not building the Mishkan, uh, all the 39 categories of labor that are prohibited on Shabbat. If we look at the five chapters, the last five parashiot, we see a very interesting chiastic form. We have the first two of the last five dealing with the building of the Mishkan. Then the third one, is the betrayal, the great betrayal, the uh, golden calf incidents, and the request for forgiveness, and the granting of forgiveness by Hashem, which is the primordial Yom Kippur experience, whereafter we revert back to the construction of the Mishkan. And that's a beautiful sandwich, if you will, with perfection or the aspiration for perfection in two chapters, then sin and uh, appealing for forgiveness and the granting of forgiveness and allowing the wholeness and prior condition to resume, which is what true forgiveness is all about. And so that is the end of this book in terms of the Yom Kippur mode. One of the interesting contrasts is the, and it, and it appears in the building of the Mishkan and again in the building of Beit HaMikdash, when it comes to the construction, more is given than is needed. Um, and that is extremely unusual and amazing, but Moshe has to actually has to stop the people from giving. And yet a short, short while later, we have Parashat Shkalim. We have the idea that the half a shekel, the machatzit shekel, 
has to be given by everybody. It's a levy that's imposed on every member of the community. And that contrast between the excess giving at the beginning of construction, the excitement, the enthusiasm of the new, and then the obligation to extract funds for the maintenance is a very big reflection on uh, the natural tendency in life. Beginnings are more exciting than maintenance. Everybody is there for the foundation stone and the uh, celebrations of new beginnings. And yet, the maintenance is really the challenge of anything worthwhile. This applies to organizations and also to relationships. Look, for example, at any marriage. Under the chuppah, at the beginning of the wedding, everything is incredibly exciting and filled with hope and love. And yet 10, 15 years later, a large percentage of those people are either divorced or heading for it. And there are two aspects of this that I think have practical implication. Firstly, we know that on Shabbat morning, uh, we make a special bracha, not for the people who laid the foundation stones, not for the people who put down the first brick or shoveled the first uh, uh, part of, of earth out for the foundations. It's actually for the people who give ner lama orva yayin lakidish and ahavdalah. We give a special prayer for those who give the candles or lighting for the shul and the wine for kiddush and havdalah. Those who take care of funding and providing for the ongoing maintenance of the shul. And secondly, the other proof of it or the other implication of it is when we discuss, as we did a few weeks ago, the most important pasuk in the Torah, the rabbis decide after many uh, sukim are offered that the most powerful and profound one is uh, that the, the first um, lamb will be sacrificed in the morning and the other one by Erev. Uh, and that, that idea of the routine daily sacrifices in the temple are considered the most important pasuk is perhaps an allusion to exactly this point. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the challenge in life is not to keep seeking new vistas, but to see old vistas with new eyes. Jews have as their prime task, making the ordinary extraordinary. There is a wonderful parallel between the building of the Mishkan and the creation of the world, because it's as if the physical world was created in Breshit and the spiritual world was created with the Mishkan. And um, there's a, a wonderful parallel. I'm just going to hit a couple of the highlights so you'll get it immediately. On the first day, it says God created the heavens and earth and spread the heavens like a curtain. And uh, when it comes to the building of the Mishkan, it says, and you shall make a curtain of goat's hair. The second day, it says, let there be a sky and let it distinguish between water and water. And at the Mishkan, it says, let the parochet split for you between this and that and so on. And then for the third day, it said, let the waters gather. And with the Mishkan, it says, make a laver, and that is for the water. The fourth day, it says, let there be lights in the sky. And when it comes to the Mishkan, it says, you shall make a golden menorah, which is certainly lights. On the fifth day, let the water bring forth flying birds. And on the fifth day, uh, mirrored in the Mishkan, it says, let the Kruvim spread their wings. Sixth day, Hashem created man in his image. And on the six, and in the building of the Mishkan, uh, it says the Kohen Gadol is anointed in the same way uh, to reflect God's holiness and to serve Hashem. On the seventh day, and this may be the most powerful of all, uh, seventh day, it says he finished the heaven and earth. So God finished all of that. And uh, in the Mishkan, uh, it says Hashem blessed 
and Moshe blessed all the work, and that Hashem rested his presence on the Mishkan, which is the same as the presence that Hashem rests on the world for Shabbat. We know that the world was created with two key attributes, judgment and mercy, and the Mishkan itself was designed and overseen by Betzalel and Oholiav. Uh, Betzalel is, is the grandson of, uh, of Hur, of Hur, uh, who did not uh, participate in the, the golden calf incident, and he was rewarded because of his sound judgment. Cholyav is from the tribe of Dan, Dan, uh, which means judgment. Also, we should know that the word Betzalel comes from the word Betzalel in the shadow of God, and that was the, sac the sacred uh, position of Betzalel. I certainly wouldn't want to end this uh, vortex without giving over a very briefly an amazing sermon uh, given by Rabbi J.J. Shafter of YU, who's considered to be a rabbi's rabbi on this week's Parsha. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Um, so bear with me. I'll go as quickly as I can. I do have notes. Um, when the Mishkan was finished, Moshe did an accounting to make sure that everything he had received was fully accounted for as all fiduciaries ought to do. And lo and behold, by the time he'd finished measuring what he had used, he came up with 1,775 shekels, which were missing. He couldn't account for them. And when he looked very carefully, he found that he had not noticed the vavim, the, the hooks. They called vavim la'amudim, the hooks that held the whole thing together, the small little hinges and hooks that did that. And that, in fact, he was able to fully account for everything. And then Rabbi Shachta points out that the vavim, amudim, not only means connections physically, but is, vav is the word and. By the way, I noticed and pointed out to him that the letter vav has two vavs which make it up. You know, it's ultimately the connecting, the connecting sign is vav. Not only does it connect one word to another, but it itself is connected and represents connection. And um, he points out that this letter vav is the hallmark of a Jew. In fact, when Cain had a mark on his, on his uh, forehead, the rabbis tell us that it was a vav because the thing he was missing was connectedness. We also know that every, the, the goal when you write a Sefer Torah is uh, every column should start with a vav, and those are also called vavim amudim. They are the vavs that hold the pillars together of the Torah itself. And so um, the lesson of the vavim is that we're all interconnected, interdependent, and that we should always view ourselves as part of the whole. In fact, when we make a l'chaim on a drink of, uh, of alcohol for a simcha, and we say l'chaim, I think we were done a great disservice by the uh, Fiddler on the Roof people because they translate l'chaim as to life. It isn't. It actually means to lives because to a Jew, living alone isn't living at all. And in fact, we live with other people in community and therefore we celebrate that togetherness, the vavim, and L'chaim. So with that, I wish everybody a Shabbat Shalom. Uh, and uh, let's all make sure that we keep the maintenance and the ordinary aspects of life extraordinary. Because to a Jew, nothing is ordinary. That's our challenge. Shabbat Shalom.